Good evening. All right. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the ITCAST. I am your host, Nika Shirell, and this is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. Um, the ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Please visit us on Patreon to support the ITCAST and learn more about our work at nikasharells.com. That's N-I-K-A-C-H-E. R-R-E-L-L-E-S. Uh, also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and share with your community. So today, uh, Mother's Day is coming up this weekend, and this week's topic is Real Talk on Raising a Black Man. Um, today in the booth, we have my good friend and mentor, Natasha Ria Elskari. Natasha, please come on and join us. And as, a, and as a special treat, we also have your son with us for a little bit, Nazir. Literally a little bit, 60 yes. seconds, love. Hello. Hello, hello. So good to see your face, yes. So you must be so proud of him. I mean, I, everything. Go ahead. Yes, I am. I'm also proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I'm proud of me. I'm proud of him. He has made, um, both my children have made motherhood so much freaking fun. And um, they just, you know, we've had moments, but, you know, 97% of the time has been freaking amazing, I would say. I would even wager 98% of the time. Got some nods of agreement, yes. <laughs> Definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with the 98%. Absolutely. And motherhood, um, I don't know from experience, but I know it can be quite a journey. Um, and, you know, uh, could the two of you, since you're both on, just share for a little bit, like, you know, what were some of the some of the beautiful spots in your time like, in like raising raising your son? It's like a beautiful moment. So, yeah, I, I just think that the way that you showed up, um, regardless of you know, if we didn't want you to, regardless of if we were scared about the backlash, you know, you made it clear that, you know, you are there to protect us and to help us in the stages of life that we may not understand yet. And I feel like more so than just being a mother in the sense that you put a roof over our head and things like that, which is important, but you are also a, a guide, you know, spiritually, um, to, to help us walk through, you know, the difficult parts of life, you know, dealing with all types of friendships and situations and teachers and learning ourselves at such a young age. And that was something that was just, you know, incredible for me. And I, I'm where I'm at now, graduating college. And, and I just feel like, you know, the world is mine, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's in part of how I was raised. And so I, I really appreciate that. Oh, snuggles, snuggles. Um, I thank you for choosing me in the spirit world and thank you for trusting me. You know, it's everything, the conversation. So I tell people I wanted to create not clones of myself, but the kind of people that I wanted to meet in the world. And um, I feel like I have definitely achieved that. I told my daughter a few years ago, she wasn't the person I wanted to meet yet <laughs> in the world when we were having a fight, but 
you know, no, now she's totally the person I wanted to, I want to meet in the world. But yeah, for sure. Uh, Nazir is celebrating his last uh, day of class. And so um, he, he just paused for a second. Um, I don't know, Nazir, do you want to say anything about Mama Sutra and in that part before you go? Um, I just want to say that I think that Mama Sutra is a great uh, place to start uh, when talking to young Black men um, about sex and sexuality, especially when um, these young Black men are going to have to go out in the world and hopefully deal with other amazing Black women and women of any kind. And, and I think that this conversation should start at home, not in a barbershop, not on a basketball court, not in school, not anywhere else. It should start at home. And it should be learned from either the father or the mother or both. Somebody that, that has that attention, has that respect and has that love to be able to give them the real talk. And, and not just the one that, you know, they want to hear to make, you know, guys feel good about themselves in the sexual sense. But the one that says, you know, sex is a, is a partnership. It's a conversation. It's vulnerability. And you have to be able to do all of those things to not only please the somebody sexually, but to also fulfill them more than just love and, and sex. And, and that translates into all different areas. So it starts at home. Yes, I love that. That is absolutely spot on. You know, it shouldn't start in the places where you can get the misinformation or the dangerous information, but really where people care about you and your well-being and your needs so that that conversation gets to nurture you as a person going forward in the world. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear like you got out in front of all of the stuff that was going to come at your kids. And that's huge. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was preparing people for the world, not just, it wasn't really just about their protection. To me, information is protection. And I think that we do our children a great disservice when we feel like we're protecting them by not telling them things uh, because we want them to stay innocent. But I was protective of their innocence, but I was definitely hardcore about them having knowledge and information. You know, I wanted them to have fun and I wanted them to be free and I wanted them to be expressive and stay together, you know, have all the fun in the world. But when you're out there in the world, listen, don't put your drink down. You know, this is, this is what this looks like. And I did, and it, and it was a balance. I was always careful with my words. Um, I think I was, they may not have, <laughs> they may not have thought that. But I really did try to serve it balanced. You know, I didn't want to terrify them. I wanted to inform them. And when you make a decision to raise free children, and by free, I don't mean reckless. Free, I mean giving yourself permission to experience love and pleasure and to try things that you've never tried before and to go into any space and be yourself. That is what freedom is. And that is what I really wanted to teach my children, not go and code switch, go and be someone else. I taught them there are many parts of yourself and you bring out this part when you're here and you bring out that part when you're there. But honey, you always be true to yourself. And just like this idea of respecting yourself because you have to be with you 24 seven. You can disagree with me. And my children have made some large decisions that I wasn't in favor of, but I still completely supported them. And one of the many things that I share with them that if I could share with any parent would be my concept of fear and concern. So 
I remember Nazir and I had this big conflict about him leaving the house at 11 o'clock at night and his curfew was one o'clock. Do you remember this, Nazir? And Nazir was like, listen, mom, I'm leaving at 11 because we've spent time with the family. I've been to the grocery store. I, I went to the movies with Naima. You know, I had brother, sister time. Trust me, anything going down can go down at seven. I'm leaving at 11 because I've done all these other things. And so I said, okay, let me share with you my fear. Let me share with you my concern. And when I started to approach things in that way, the fear and the versus the concern, it allowed, I think, especially with Nazir, for him to understand what I was experiencing, my transparency, like my trauma as a Black mom, even my own raising, which says, hey, you can't, don't leave the house at this time. That means you're being fast or that means you're doing something you're not supposed to do. And his thing was like, well, when am I going to leave? You know, so I have to I have to be driving at some point, <laughs> whether I'm driving home or driving there and just listening. So I think that part, too, is realizing I can be a human with and still be a parent. I don't have to just be in charge. I can say this scares me. Can we talk about this? Right. And we do that. We make lists. We talk about pros and cons. Uh, my children were always a part of the budget. I'm like, this is what I make. This is what these bills are. What's the activity that you want to do? I mean, we got really honest with each other. And it really removed the weight of me feeling like I had to carry all this Black woman heaviness as a mom. It allowed me to experience joy with them. Nice. Yeah, I'm hearing partnership like real partnership between you and your children who like you're creating that autonomy and that freedom that allows them to move as beings in the world. And, and I, I needed the freedom too, Marnika. Yeah. I needed it too. I didn't need to feel bogged down by motherhood. I needed to be able to express. I needed to be able to be tired. I needed to be able to have sex in my house while they were there, you know, <laughs> and be like, um, mom is going up here with Mr. So-and-so. You hear yeah. the lights, you smell the incense, the door is locked. That's a whole mood. <laughs> Nazir, do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, it's true. And, and I mean, we knew, but you know, that it also wasn't none of our business. It was just, that's mom's time, you know, and, and that was okay. And that was, you know, allowed on all ends. You know what I'm saying? Not, not allowed in the sense that we were going to keep her from doing that, but that it wasn't being hidden from us either. And so it's not like, oh, we're worried about what if we walk in or whatever, you know, we kind of knew the signs and it was like, all right, go mind your business. Cool. Like, you know what I mean? So, it, you know, that that transparency really made it easier to understand my mom, not only as a mother, but as a human, because at the end of the day, you know, moms can be superheroes. And, and my mom definitely was. But, I, you know, when 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 it was wind down time and it was time to take the bra off and you know, take the contacts out. She was a human at the end of the day. And, and we understood that as kids, you know, not just looking back at it now as a, as a 22 year old, but I understood that when I was 13, you know what I'm saying? And that was important just in our development as a family and being able to have empathy for each other and being able to communicate with each other and understand each other. And that was huge. I remember the first time um, my son was saying to Naima, she started to go bre grow breasts. She would say, girl, get out that bra and just relax. And he didn't realize at the time that it was that permission as her brother to say, hey, 
you deserve to just be relaxed. Like you deserve to just be free in your body, like let it go. And, you know, he, he did that. Like he knew how to do that for, um, you know, for her. So even like teaching him how to uh, unhook bras, maybe, you know, unhook the bra. So Nazir has spent way too much time with us. He's got uh, his, his, his girlfriend is texting me like, <laughs> Nazir, thank you so much, son. I cannot wait to see you. I cannot wait to of see course, you. Of course, of course. I can't wait to celebrate with the family for sure. I love you thank so you. much. And always great seeing you. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Enjoy. <laughs> thank you. That, oh, thank, I'm so glad he was able to be on with us for a couple of minutes. That was a treat. It was a real treat. Um, you know, and I want to talk a bit about like removing the trauma. You talked about impo the importance of information more than protection um, and like information is protection. So do you feel like you were able to remove like the trauma and the shame context for your kids when it came when it came to sex? Uh, most definitely. I should I should note that I didn't grow up um, with a traumatic a sexual background in the sense that my mother did not hide sex from us. She was very open. Um, she was very honest with us. And so I grew up, at least in the 70s version of a Black sex positive home. Um, my mother didn't turn away from sex scenes. I remember seeing Purple Rain, the Apollonian Prince sex scene with my mother. And she paused and looked and said, do you have any questions? And I'm like, I don't. My crotch is on fire, but I don't have any questions. So she never hid the blues from us, um, sensuality from us. She never made us think that we needed to be ashamed of our bodies. I often wonder how different it would have been if my father was in the home. And I know that it would have been different because I have a relationship with my stepsister. And, you know, she, it took her a longer time to get free with her body because my father was always encouraging her to cover up. And, you know, so I am grateful for having been raised in an all-female house because it allowed me to just be a human um, who happened to be a girl. And since we all had the same parts, it was, it was just really kind of what was, it was celebrated. So I think the challenge for me was raising a son. He was my firstborn. And at the time I was married, so I was in this situation where I was with two males and it was only me and I had never been in that situation before. And so I was like kind of contemplating and listening to people say, you shouldn't walk around naked in front of your husband. You, are you gonna let your son see you naked? You know, all of these things that I never had to think about because I grew up in a female, the garden of Sappho, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I didn't have that as a, should I be in the bathroom with my son or should I be in the bathroom with my husband? Like we were always in the bathroom together. There was only one bathroom. So one would be brushing the teeth, one would be on the toilet. So I had to really kind of go, oh, I have to think about these things. And I made the decision and I sat down and talked to my then husband, which there were things we had talked about before we had children. And I was like, listen, he drank and ate from this body and Nazir was a total skin to skin baby. He loved all that cuddling. And so he, he loved it naturally. You know, he naturally touched and hugged and loved. And so it wasn't weird for him. And I wanted my son to have a desexualized sense of a woman's body that every time he saw a woman's body, he wasn't being like, oh my God, those are tits or that's an ass. I wanted him to be able to 
see a beautiful woman in the room. And so when I had friends that would nurse or what I would nurse his sister, I would say, come look at how the milk comes out. And he probably doesn't even remember that. But, you know, if he would see somebody nursing, he would say, you look so beautiful nursing your baby. But he wasn't gawking. He just was around it. He was around women who nursed. He was around women, you know, who talked about sex and who talked about love. And so I think that I just was very protective of how women got to show up in the world, even when I had a son, which doesn't seem like you would think that, but it really was an issue. Yeah, that's huge. You know, I love what you said, like desexualizing women's bodies, because there's a lot created out there between the gender, between the genders. You know, it's like men behave this way, women behave that way, and there's not a lot of crossover. I loved what Nazir said as we were uh, preparing to chat about bridging the gap between patriarchy and feminism, and like really creating that context. Um, can I, and I'm curious to know, like, what, what were some concerns you actually did have in terms of having a son? Not the ones that were like brought about, but, you know, just in having your first child, what were some things that were on your mind? Um, I think the thing about having a son, which is a little different, was wanting to make sure that I was aware of the signs of abuse um, because it looks very different for girls than it does for boys. Uh, the men that I had talked to that had had abuse happen to them, you know, it was often at the hands of people that you would never expect. Whereas I felt like as a woman, I could sense a predatory man a mile away. But I was like, oh, I have to think about predatory men and women. And the way men prey on boys is different than the way that women prey on boys, right? And so my son was affectionate and warm and he was welcoming. And there were women who did prey on him and I was able to see it and check it. I also taught him to notice the signs. He was very intellectual. So, you know, um, in white culture, white women think that they have access to the black male teen body. They do. It's a big part of, of, of racism that we don't talk about that the black buck is available to the white woman who wants, especially if she's between the age of, you know, 23 and 35. Oh, I can have him, he's 15. No, he's still a child. And so I really um, had to help a, a couple of women recognize that he was not available and that I was, I was not on their team. Mm. Um, and that's the thing, kind of some of the stuff that he would talk about, like I would tell him, you don't have to consent to things because you're a man. You, you get to say no, because you have a penis does not always mean you're ready to have sex. An erection does not mean that it is consent. And I remember my sister, my late sister telling me that, she said, Natasha, molestation feels good. Rape is violence. And it just blew me away because I'm like, yes, yeah. she's like the body responds. The mind and the heart knows that it's not right, but you get confused because the body is enjoying that because it's yeah. not brutal. So I was like, okay, that was sage advice that my sister gave me because I was able to explain that to both my children, right? That something can physically maybe feel like it's right, but it's absolutely not. 
Yeah. And, you know, they would say, well, why do you say that? And I would say, well, this is what happened to me. I didn't hide the things that happened to me. I shared those things and I shared how I was afraid or, you know what I mean? It was like all these different things. And even as an adult, some of the things that I've shared with my children, as far as like, you know, things that I've dealt with reproductively or things around relationships. And it's not as their friend, but it's like, it's their mom that's the human, mm. right? Their mom that is the human. When I got my hysterectomy, I was like, I'm concerned that, I, that my vagina will feel different. And I remember when I came home, my son asked me, he said, do you feel empty inside? Mm. And I was like, oh. you know, like that level of empathy to be able to say, does it feel empty? Like, does it, does it feel like we didn't live there before? And I was like, wow. So it just really got me to get present. I mean, he was, you know, in high school when I got a hysterectomy or maybe he was like seventh, eighth grade and maybe like in high school, maybe like a freshman, but you know, just that concern, um, that level of concern. So I think obviously you think about protection and safety. And the other was, I would always tell my son that he wasn't as smart as white people tried to make him seem. Because I saw something psychologically happen with black men and why they turn to white communities when they're intelligent. And they'll say, you know, black people were hard on me. They didn't respect me. And I would explain to my son, hey, these white people have zero expectation for you. So you wow them just by not shooting them when you're at the park. Mm -hmm. They really don't know you. They have a low expectation. So they're saying that you're smart, but you're really just above average. They haven't even seen you're smart. When I sent him to private school, I, I said, you are not going here to be white. You are going here to capture resources for your community. Yeah. Every black woman you see is a potential sister, a potential partner, a potential business partner, a potential lover. Don't just sisterize your friends. Because when you get in these small cliques and they're at these all white schools, none of the black kids date each other. They all just end up becoming homies. And I'm like, honey, you can like your homie. She can be your, your girlfriend. You don't have to, you know. So just understanding the psychological things that he was experiencing, being in these different worlds. Nazir is traditionally very intelligent. He tests well. You know, he's always done well academically um, in that traditional school setting. He's flourished, always in the 99th percentile, you know, scoring over 30 on the ACT, you know, all that different stuff, applying to Harvard, getting an interview and having the interviewer say, who gave you these questions? No one's ever answered these questions like that. You know what I mean? So... I knew that I had to be protective of his brilliance, but I also had to make him understand your brilliance doesn't make you better than anybody. That, your brilliance is exceptional. See, I'm not gonna steal his joy, but your brilliance does not make you better. So the man that is on the corner drunk, listen to him. He can speak truth and spirituality just like the person in the classroom. Nice. And so um, that humanism too, you're no better than anybody else. We choose this, but you're no better, you know, and that helping them to really not embrace middle, middle class values, but to embrace that we all get to vote. 
with our money and that we all have responsibilities as human. So if somebody had a fancy car, but they lived in an apartment, that's not a bad thing. Maybe they don't want a freaking house. Maybe they want a fancy car. Let's not put middle-class values on what people love. Yeah. You drink kombucha, whatever. I want, I want brown liquor and potato salad. That don't make kombucha better. And I wanted my children to be so proud of being black, so proud of, of all of what it was to be black. You know, our, our family has a lot of class distinction in it, particularly on my father's side of the family. I was like, this is family. All of us are having black experiences. You know, they were vegetarian. You know, they had these different names. And I'm like, don't let nobody tell you you're not black. You black as hell. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and I love what you said about, um, about not, uh, not letting white people tell you that you like, like the being smarter, that whole bit that you put in there, like that's really critical because it's the perspective. When I created this show, I was like, oh yeah, Mother's Day, real talk on raising a man. And then I was like, no, we have to put a black man. Like we have to put that in there because there's something uniquely different about what people of color and black people specifically go through growing up in this in this culture, in this environment. And without actually stepping back to look at the racism and the classism and the adultification, you know, the point that you made about him being 15 and like the way that molestation looks different, that didn't even occur to me. Like it didn't even click. And molestation does feel good. It's flirting. And a lot of other things that are deeply inappropriate given the, given the constructs that we live in and they can be psychologically damaging. So I'm just hearing like so much love and you know, ending the shame, ending those cycles and, and really just allowing that to ripple out to the other people who come in contact with your children is so powerful. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think to making sure that men have the language, right? We, we prepare our girls in so many vast ways and then we just love on our sons. And it's like, no, you have a responsibility too. You know, I mean, he sat through a quadrillion dance recitals uh, and my daughter sat through games. I'm like, we go, we cheer, does not matter. We show up, we are present, we are off our phones. We are giving feedback, support and love. And really, I think we have to teach our men, you just being a black man and not doing drugs, is not enough. <laughs> like you need to show up the way you see black women showing up in your masculine way. So I, I do think, and you know, their dad um, had an exit plan that we didn't really um, you know, know a lot about. And I mean, we divorced but we were still co-parenting and then he just stopped co-parenting. And Nazir was very heavily impacted by that because his formative years, we were married. So we divorced when he was around seven. And so he remembered having his father fully, completely, wholly, you know? So when he checked out, it was like, what is happening? And I remember being very purposeful with my male friends you know, I am a community center. I have a lot of male friends. They are not all my lovers. These are just friends that I've had who are now just becoming fathers themselves. I've mentored a lot of people. You know that, Marnika. And 
I would tell them, you know, you spend a lot of time over here. You must pour into these children. Mm -hmm. This is where they get safe hugs. This is where they get redirection. If you come over here, you're going to play games. You're going to dunk a basketball. You're going to do some things. You're not going to just come and feed off the, the mothering tit of Natasha and not pour into these children. Now, see, we expect that from women, right? Come on, auntie. Auntie will take you here. Auntie will buy you a pair of shoes. Auntie, we expect that. Right. But then men get to come, take their shoes off, put their feet up, watch a game, drink a beer, go home. Absolutely not. You take them here. Hey, watch this pot while I run here. I worked those men because they were also being fed. And each of them have come back to me and said, Natasha, that really prepared me for fatherhood. That really prepared me how to deal with a pregnant woman. That really prepared me, you know, to address the sexism that's inside of me. So I'm grateful for that. And I wasn't afraid to let these men in. You know, I'm like, my son and my daughter need to feel tight hugs from men. Yeah. I was not afraid to ask men to be human. And you know what's so interesting about that is that my son is very comfortable anywhere. You know, he's thin. He's a very, very thin, um, you know, he, he claims to be a certain weight and we're like, whatever, minus 10. <laughs> but he's a very, and, and I always would say to him, you have a runner's body. You have mm -hmm. a cross country body. You have a yoga body. You know, I never allow people to say he was skinny. He was, you know, he needed to, to chunk. I never, and I was like, own your body, love your body. I put him in a body movement class when he was four with all these other black boys, all different sizes. You know, he played basketball from the time he was four. He went through the football phase. I hated it, but I cheered him on. And then he was like, I think I'm too small for this sport. I'm like, okay, he excelled in cross country. He excelled in long distance track. I'm like, try your body and see what it does. And now he's really, and he loves basketball. And up until COVID, he played every day, you know? Um, and then he's like, this is my prayer. Basketball is my prayer, you know? Um, and then now he's, he's into yoga. Uh, always giving my children meditation as a gift and, you know, allowing them quiet space, allowing them ownership of their room. I had standards, but they were low by Black expectation. Ooh, talk more about Black expectation. What do you mean by that? Um, I think because we are constantly fighting for our humanity, one, we are obsessed with cleanliness. Um, and a part of that has to do with many times we're in tight quarters where we can't really be, you know, we can't be messy because we're sharing space. But we have had the fortune and the privilege of having larger homes and nice spaces. And we're very grateful. The bedrooms were atrocious. My children had atrocious bedrooms. And I would say, I have an expectation, so just clear the floor. Or I would say, what, what do you think you can do and keep? Because an adult is like, I want this folded, that folded. Kids don't, no. I was like, your body can never smell, your clothes can never be dirty. 
Yeah. You know, we had three nannies. And that's another thing, Marnika. I did not allow people to tell me I was not a good mother because I had people to help me. And they did, they still had chores with the nanny. They did the chores with the nanny. I would mm. say, please don't put their clothes away. You can fold them, but don't put them away, right? They knew that they had to go in. They had to ask the nanny, how was your day? How are you? Do you want me to help with something? They still had that to do, even when we had the nannies, right? I would say, hey, she's coming to wash clothes. Get down there and separate. Like, it was a partnership. And those women were like, wow, I didn't know what I was about to come into. You know, and I was like, we need an extra pair of hands. We don't need a slave. Yeah. We want to know about your life too, you know, and you're a part of our family. And I'm still close to those people. I'm still close to those three women. Um, they still come to the graduation parties and celebrations. They still check in, but I needed that, you know, I needed, and I needed somebody that I was paying because, you know, sometimes people don't respect you unless you're paying, they don't respect your wishes. Um, mm. you know, unless you're paying. So I would just say that was a big thing was letting go of this idea that everything had to be freaking perfect. And that's how I grew up. But my mother is really, really neat. But it was stifling for me. And it was stifling for Nazir's creativity. He told me, he said, I feel like I am going to float away when there's nothing on my floor. He says that. And then to this day, he's like, I have designed my room. So he knows the kind of room that he wants when he is going to be rooming with his partner. Because mm -hmm. he said, I have to be able to throw my dirty clothes on the floor. He was like, that's just my process. That's when the ideas come and blah, blah, this, right? He and his girlfriend, they wash clothes together. That's not her job. Yeah. They do it together. You know what I mean? And I know that that being raised like that, it helped. Yes. I would always say, I'm your mama, not your maid. I allowed myself to be human. I allowed myself to be tired, to be sad. I allowed myself to say, can we just do Chipotle? I know I took this chicken out, y'all, but I ain't got it in me. And they like, absolutely, mama. Okay. Or I'll help or, you know. Yeah. I love that. I'm hearing like really building trust with your kids and allowing them to develop their own sense of human personhood. Um, and that's, you know, having space, having the space to do that, whether it's physical, mental, emotional is so critical. I also love what you were saying about the men in your life and trusting, like trusting men. I think that's something that we don't give a lot of credit to, no. you know, like there's such low expectations for men in this world. I'm going like, to need men to know how to hug women without feeling like their dick is going to get hard. Like... We hug all the time and people don't think anything of it. That was the part that was so heartbreaking to me, Marnika, was the time, I'm sorry, should I say Nika? You're um, fine. <laughs> the time when Nazir started to develop and people didn't want him to hug their children. Hmm. Because, you know, he grew up super affectionate. Little kids love him. Why would you not? He's friendly. You know what I'm saying? All of that. And I remember that moment when someone was like, don't hug him. And he was like, like, we're sitting right here. You know, and little girls always love Nazir. Why wouldn't they? My one little cousin said, you need to take me out for ice cream. And he's like, I will. B 
because you love what is warm and masculine. Like, I want little girls to want to hug him because that means he, he, they feel healthy. They feel safe. Yeah. And, and I think we have got to stop over-sexualizing Black men. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're teaching our children autonomy these days. There's that whole conversation around like, stop telling your kids to like kiss uncle so-and-so. It's like, stop telling them, but also like allowing for the trust that they have and the warmth that they notice to like be real versus the stereotyping and just putting on, this is this way because it's in this box. Yes. Yes. And um, I remember once Nazir's friend told me, I don't always want to kiss these girls. Like, and I said, you don't have to. And he was like, I don't. I'm like, no, you have consent over your body too. But people think because he was the big, strong athlete that that meant he was always ready to be sexual. And I'm like, don't let anybody do that. And he's like, I just want one girlfriend. I'm like, then that's what you do. You don't do multiple girlfriends just because someone tells you to. If that's special for you, keep it special for you. Yeah. And like, he didn't have that permission because everybody encourages our boys to be dogs, to this, to that. And I tell my son, listen, you can date multiple girls, be honest. Mm -hmm. I was like, because you don't know what women will go for if they feel like they have trust. Be honest. I am taking this person out this week. I am dating you and another person. I don't want to be serious with anybody. I just want to hang out, you know? And so I think like for me, that is, and it, and it was also a thing of, I think that parents miss when they don't allow their children to participate in their raising. Mm. My, my, my son, um, used to like to run back and forth. We had a shotgun house. And so uh, for people who don't know what that is, that's when you can see the front to the back door and it was really nice. So I, I, I just reconfigured all the furniture so that he could roller skate to the front and back of the house uninterrupted nice. and run his trucks and his blocks, right? Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And my mother was like, he needs to learn how to go around stuff. You don't need to just, you know, change how you live. And I'm like, yes, I do. Because this is a magical time. He's not gonna always do this. So I did not allow people to tell me how I should reconfigure, even people I deeply love, how I should reconfigure my house or what we did. You know, if my daughter was afraid, I'm like, let's keep the lights on. I'm not gonna sit here and try to make you sleep with the lights out. You're fucking scared. Turn them on and go to bed, I love you. So she yeah. would have her lights on and have on an eye patch. I don't care. That's not going to cost me $18 million a year. Then we graduated to a lamp. To this day, she sleeps with an eye patch and the lights on. That's for her and her college roommate to figure out. They don't have nothing to do with me. <laughs> I like that because once, once she's out in the world, she's grown and she's got to figure out how to navigate that all on her own. That is and I, Yeah, and knowing what people need to be soothed, you know, if my kids were like, I just don't. I don't want to do this tonight. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I allowed that. I allowed them to make a decision because when we talk about pleasure and you tell a kid, no, we're doing this. You're telling them don't trust your instinct. 
Don't trust your intuition. When they say, mommy, I'm scared. Okay, don't do it. It's okay. We'll try again tomorrow. Because a lot of that stuff has to do with adults wanting to look good in front of other people. It doesn't have anything to do with the development of the child. It's like, oh, my daughter, honey, she got on stage. She was killing it and killing it in rehearsal. She got on stage and she did this. Froze. She was the main dancer in Thriller. Froze. She runs off the stage. The next week, they're like, she's killing it in rehearsal. I said, listen, don't do it. Mm. She, she doesn't want to, she's not ready. And one thing that she discovered about herself was, she said, I like to sing in ensembles and choirs. I don't like to sing alone. You know, she, she loves group. Nazir and I are more, hey, we'll roll. We don't care if you like me or not. Are we here? We gonna make a friend. Naima's like, nope, I'm gonna observe. Yeah. I'm gonna go to four parties before I dance. And so I'm saying, no, get out there. Be brave. Get, get out there. Don't be shy. And she's like, whoa, I observe. And I'm like, let me give space for that. Yeah. You know? And so I don't profess to be perfect. And I'll just say, what do you think we should do? And I'll say, this is where I stand on this. This is my conflict. This is my fear. I own the emotion. And when I say no, my kids know my no is a no because I rarely say no. I rarely say no to my children. So when I say no, I'm like, hey, and Nazir will try to advocate for Naima and Naima will try to advocate. They do, they still, they try to tag team on me now. And I'm like, what was my answer? No, it's no. Yes. When it came to vaccination and COVID, that was a personal choice. I did not circumcise my son. That is a personal choice. What you do with your penis is personal. People say, why didn't you circumcise your son? I said, well, I didn't circumcise my daughter either. Yes. We got to get present. I taught them both how to put condoms on. I taught them both about hygiene. I taught them both about abortion, both about wellness both had to meditate. I did not genderize their raising, but I did make it specific to who they were. Yeah. You no, know, your chores were based on your weight and what you could carry, not on your gender. Everybody yes. wash a dish. I love that. And, and I want to just highlight that for a second, because I know we've talked a lot about masculinity tonight. We've talked about femininity, femininity and patriarchy. And like what you're saying is you've actually created your children to exist outside of that space, to be who they are. And I think that's something that, you know, it's, it's really how to create people such that gender is not oppressive. We're, we're raising people in this conversation and gender has been so oppressive for so long it's like you have to be like this you have to be tough you have to be strong if you're a man you can't do this you can't do that women you got to do the chores you got to do this you got to cook you got to clean have the babies all that stuff and it's it's we are we're moving into a place in a time where it's irrelevant and it's because of parenting like the parenting you've provided which is incredible yeah and i i thank you for that because i think um I think that 
people are more and more different and we have to roll with the times. You know, I, um, I, I have a friend who, who visits and when he's there, um, I put his toothpaste on his toothbrush. And I do it because it's an act of love. Yeah. I don't do it because I, I'm, I'm, you know, and he was like, I thought you were a feminist. And I said, oh, honey, feminism is about equity, expression, and equality and freedom. I can love you and serve you. It's an act of love. It, you know, I wrote notes to my kids. Naima hated long notes. She preferred pictures. She preferred a heart, a smile, you know, or, or, or a fart noise. I would put words like fart or booty on her notes because she liked that kind of stuff. Nazir, I would be like, the great ancestors are shining upon you today. And it, I did different things. I was myself, but I, I, I listened to their love requests. Mm. You know, my daughter never would eat her meal. She would eat and then she would put it up and come back an hour later and come back an hour later and come back. And people would be like, why is she wasting? I'm like, that is what her, she's listening to her body. Yes. She doesn't want to eat all at once and feel bogged down. I, you know what I'm saying? Yes. She yes. was like, you know, Nazir's like, I shower in the morning. I don't like to shower at night. She's like, I like to shower at night. So I don't have to, I don't have to fight about that. I get to be flexible. So I think that's another way and reason my kids were compassionate towards me for the most part. You know, and there were moments that they weren't because they were just asshole kids. But I mean, it, it was rare. But that was, that was like, because I honored that in them. Yeah. You know, um, it, my daughter is always fully dressed. And Nazir and I are always walking around, you know, half dressed. I'm usually naked, but he always has on underwear. And um, Naima's like, you know, hoodie, scarf, sweatshirt. <laughs> and, and I would be like, are you comfortable? And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm great. And I'm like, aren't you hot? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like trying to put cover on her. She's like, I don't, I'm good. Like, or I want this cover or, you know, just all of these notions and ideas that we have about how we were raised. Like, oh, don't lay down on the couch. Like, why the fuck not? Sometimes I just want to watch TV in the, in the, in the horizontal position. Yeah. But these things that we're taught, you know, that are oppressive and that are about looking good to the white gaze. Right. That's really what they're about. They're not actually about anything real. Mm, that's huge. Um, and that actually brings me to one of the, one of the points that I would love for you to speak on is where do you feel we are now? You know, like we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of stuff going down with Black Lives Matter. We've had some recent deaths. We've had a lot going on. And, you know, we also have Kamala in the White House. And I'm like, where are we now? And have we made any progress? Well, you know, we are in a continuum of progress. I mean, look at your beautiful African face. Yeah. And you are still here in 2021. Yes us as black women, unapologetic, powerful, natural, you know, every story isn't told. So we are here, whether we see it on the news or not, we are thriving. You know what I'm saying? I 
My son is graduating from a very elite, you know, college, unscathed in his blackness. You know what I mean? What yeah. is success? And to me, success starts with joy. Mm. Am I having joy? And so, um, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't know how to turn that off. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Motherhood. Um, it's about having joy, um, you know, in, in, to me, in your life. So yes, there's always progress to be made. I am so excited about Black Lives Matter, about Me Too, about the distinction in language, about trauma, triggers, that we have language to describe the stuff that used to feel so silent, you know, uh, we felt like we couldn't, couldn't hang with it and deal with it. And now we can say, I feel triggered when you do that. Huh, that triggers me. Like, we didn't have that. It would just be like, leave me alone, stop it. We didn't have that. And so now we have this language and we have this development. I like to tell people there are black people in the future. We have people who are creative. You know, I know that I'm 45, but to me, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a generation Z-er. I think I, <laughs> I was definitely born in the wrong generation because I'm like, yes, let's do it. You know, I, I'm all about that life, but you know. You the way for this generation. <laughs> yes, and, we, and those women have always been there, right? So yeah. I do not think that we need to look at our lives as black people like, one, just that we have to keep running this freaking tireless race. I'm not doing that. I am going to smell the flowers. I am going to have joy. I'm going to be black and I'm going to laugh loud and I'm going to have not have on underwear and I'm going to sing on my deck, right? I am going to experience life as a human and I'm never going to stop fighting for my people. See, I just dedicated to it for life. So it's a reflex for me. It's a reflex for me to stand up. I'm always about access to resources for all. That's why I ran Upper Bound the way that I did. And for those years, it wasn't the money. But touching lives, like you, seeing you, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> you were so brilliant and you deserved a chance to be brilliant. Yeah. So I think that if you are measuring your life based on your own tangible success, you may not be happy, but it's like, am I touching and opening and impacting along the way? Am I putting good in the world? You know, and when I make money, I share money. You know what I mean? Like, it may not be a lot. Yesterday, I had a conversation with my former nephew who is now my niece who just went through the top surgery and got breasts and all this stuff and my best friend was like listen you need to call this person because they are not getting love from the family mm -hmm. I was like that was unheard of fast rewind my son was the first person he came out to when wow. he was 10 and my son said mom Person says that they're gay, but don't tell auntie because he's not ready. 
And I said, well, will you ask person if I can tell auntie? You see what I'm saying? Yes. And then I told auntie, I said, do not say anything, but your person thinks they're gay. She's like, oh my God, that's what the, that's what this challenge has been. So now, not this person is just gay, they're actually trans. Wow. Living this their best life. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, that is to me, so I'm calling up my former nephew, now niece, and I'm saying, okay, tell me how you're feeling. How was the surgery? How are you in your body? And it's like, I felt the walls drop, just reminding them, hey, I'm still your auntie, I love you. And your very straight cousin, your very straight other cousin still loves you. They still gonna give you a big hug and a kiss when they see you. So to me, that is success. I don't have to understand everything about trans living and I can even disagree with, oh, I don't think that that means this or means that, but I get to show up for another human being. And we can focus solely on our oppression, but that has never sustained us. Mm -mm. Our love and community. And now we're in this futuristic space where we get to shed the oppression. We get to say, I don't want that. You know, I want a slave movie. I want to watch that because I'm shedding that. Son, daughter, this is a history. It's not all of who we are, but this is why. Oh my gosh. You know? Yes. Ask the story. I mean, I I am hopeful. Yeah. Why do we have this technology if not to advance? We are to advance love. We are to advance joy, not domination and control. So I'm gonna use these platforms. You know, I mean, I wrote a book because I wanted women to experience joy. I wanted women to be able to say, can you touch my clitoris a little softer to the left and men not be in their feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's my gift to women. Yes. Is this Mama Sutra you're referring to? Yes. How can how can people get Mama Sutra and all the uh, yes? <laughs> it's such a fun book, y'all. It's a fun book filled with a lot of mistakes and crap like that. It's not the point. It's not the point. Get this book. So it's available. Um, it's available on Amazon, but you can get it through me, NatashaRia.com, N-A-T-A-S-H-A-R-I-A.com. I am the author of five books three CDs. So you have CDs available to you too. Well, I don't know what they call them, projects. Um, Spotify, all your media outlets, uh, Natasha Rhea Elskari. And this book, as my very first nonfiction, my first two books are poetry. Um, My book after that is poetry and I have a novel and I'm working on another collection of poetry. But I had to write this book and I am going to write a parenting book with my children. Yes. I feel like so many parenting books are just like the parent talking about it, but I'm writing it with my children so that people can see how we all have a shared experience, but those experiences are completely different. Completely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was brilliant. (laughs) Sorry, my phone started ringing. (laughs) It's okay. 
ignore that. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, just everything that you touched on around allowing your kids to grow, allyship. Uh, you saw my face drop. I'm like, this is the nephew person that I knew that warms my heart. Yes. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. This is my no. other. Uh-huh. This is okay. My yeah, no, honey. He's he's uh, he's a, a, a cisgendered, hetero, feminist all the way, though. Yes. He is so about uh, ending toxic masculinity because he is a big Black man. He's like, dude, it's okay if our legs touch. We sitting at a bar. You know, he is about ending that toxic masculinity. And he is... I call him a secret feminism, a feminist, because people don't know. They just see the body and they think, oh, he played for the Chiefs. <laughs> they don't realize that he is like very concerned about women's sports and why women's sports are not getting the credit they deserve, you know? So, yeah. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, y'all are a family of heroes. I just got to say that, like you, the way that you shine, you've inspired me. I learned a lot tonight just around joy, like success is joy. And that's like, if that's the only measure that I use my whole life, I'm winning. Yeah. I'm winning. Yes. And you will be young for a lifetime because joy is in such small and large things. Yes. You know, whether I'm getting two, $20 or $2, I'm like, give thanks. I made that money with these hands. Give thanks. When I look at my body, I'm like, I birthed two children. I lost two children. I comfort people with this flesh, including myself. Why would I ever hate this body? You know, I am the color of dirt. Everything grows from dirt. Why would I hate that? Why would I hate this gray hair and wrinkles? That means I've been here. I've been here, you know? Why would I hate that? So it's a yeah. joy, is a, is a powerful choice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up. Thank you, thank you for joining us today. Thank you to all of our listeners and viewers out there who have been with us as well. Um, and uh, the ITCAST, our community outreach podcast, um, we're bringing this work to you to increase diversity in conversations on health and sex. Please visit our Patreon, support the ITCAST, and learn more about Nika Shirelles at nikasharelles.com. Um, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to keep us going, get the viewers on, and just spread the word and spread the love. Please share with your community. And we will see you again right here next week. Thank you.